Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Y'all feel good? Y'all got turkey hangover? Anybody? Y'all want to, all right, let's all stand up, get in the line. We're going to take a couple laps. (laughs) Elaine said, yeah, right, Bubba. I got socks older than you. (laughs) Do you have socks? Okay. Um. Uh, before, I, before, I, before I go any further, and I didn't say this to the first service, not because it's not true, but, um, but I love you guys. I love being a pastor here at Springwell. What, a, what an incredible place. <clears throat> I mean, if you're looking for a perfect church, don't come here because you're going to mess it up, or don't go there because you're going to mess it up. But if you want a church full of real people that don't have it figured out and are kind of stumbling their way through life, but, but are looking for hope and freedom, then this is the place to be. So I love you guys. Thank you so much for allowing me to, to speak into your life. And some of you have so much more life experience than I have. And, um, but I believe I have a word today that is going to um, significantly change the way some of you view your situations and your lives. And so thank you for letting me speak into it. Uh, we're in the second week of a series we've called uh, Blood. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing how um, in the Old Testament, the, the part of the Bible that's before Jesus was born, it shadows um, what was going to happen in the New Testament and the ultimate death and resurrection of Jesus. And this, this book um, is 66 books, and, uh, but the whole thing culminates in who Jesus is and uh, in his love. That was the plan. This whole thing, whether you realize it or not, is a story of God's unending love for you. And it's a story of how he constantly loves people and wants to redeem people and bring them back to himself. And so uh, today I want to look at a, a story that's a little, a little odd, especially in today's culture, but I think can, can, uh, can teach us um, a lot. Uh, so a couple of years ago, when, uh, cell phones first um, got Face ID. Uh, Melissa and I, my wife and I, we got one. And my microphone is doing that thing. I'm just going to go ahead and trash this thing. Before it's a distraction later, we'll let it be a distraction now, before I really get into this. Uh, anyway, and so my wife and I, we got phones kind of right when they first came out, and I was excited, being a little bit of a geek nerd or a tech nerd, was excited to see how the Face ID thing would work, and so we took them home, and I picked up my phone, and I had already programmed it to, to see my face, and so I picked it up, I looked at it, and it didn't do jack squat. And so I put it down, Picked it back up, looked at it again, still nothing. So, of course, by this point, I'm already saying, why in the world did they ever give up on that button? The, finger, the fingerprint reader was good enough for me. I was excited about this, but this, this is terrible. And so I put it back down. I look at it again. I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, why didn't you just enter your passcode? Because it was new, and I wanted it to work. And so I put it down, tried it again. Finally, after five, six, seven times, I finally decide, okay, I give in. I give in, Tim Cook. Steve Jobs, I give in. I'll enter my passcode. So I enter my passcode, 
my passcode didn't work either. You've probably, by now, you figured out why, because I had picked up her phone. It wasn't, it wasn't mine. So it, it, didn't know, it didn't know my face. It didn't know what to do when it scanned my face, scanned my retina, or whatever crazy stuff it does. It didn't know what to do because it didn't know my face. I think for, for some of us today, the reason that you feel like God has maybe checked out on you or the reason that you feel um, some doubt in the situation that you're in is because God is trying to show you another part of his face. And one of the biggest obstacles we can face in life is to, is to go through life looking for God, but looking for him in only our way and missing him because he's bigger than us. And so what often happens is we get into these situations um, in, in life and we're looking for God to do something cookie cutter that he doesn't do. And so when he doesn't do that, we think he's abandoned us. We think he's checked out. When he doesn't solve the problem like we wanted him to, we think he has abandoned it. Today, abandon us. Today, I wanna talk for just a few moments from the subject of when in doubt. When in doubt. And can we just be real? How many of you this morning I've ever had moments of doubt. I think if you're not raising your hand, I think you're, you may not be alive because we all have these moments of doubt. How many of you have ever started a sentence with, God, I thought you would? God, I, I thought you would, but you didn't, and now what do I do? And so I think all of us, we have these moments where, where doubt creeps into our mind because God doesn't do what we thought he would do. Maybe you took a big step and you thought it was right, but now you feel like he's left you alone. And so you, you're, you're, you're kind of doubting. Maybe, maybe you were raised and, 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 you, and you were abused and you were misled and you were mistreated. And so now when you hear that he's a good father or he's, he loves you like, like a heavenly father, maybe now you get this idea and it's, 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 it, it's like, God, are, are you really good? Because if you're my father, then that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. And so you have these doubts in your life. Maybe some of you today are doubting the very existence of God. Because you're looking at the things that are around you and you're looking at the world around you and you're even looking at culture and you're sizing culture up and you kind of come to this realization that, God, is, is there even a God? Some of you, you may think there's a God, but you're like, if there's a God, he's not good because he hasn't been good to me because look, look at the mess I'm in. Look at my, look at my finances. Look at my, look at my marriage. Look, look at my job. Look, look, look at the things that are going on around me. And so you have this doubt in your mind and you're doubting who God is, and some of you, almost equally as bad, are doubting, is doubting God's activity in your life. When in doubt, and here's the truth that I hope we can wrap our minds around this morning. When in doubt, follow God out. When in doubt, follow God out, because a lot of us don't want to. Think about it. Most of the time, when something doesn't go our way, we abandon, don't we? If my, my, if my bill goes up for my satellite, I quit and I find another company, right? If I'm on a diet and it's not working and I've done it for three days, <laughs> I quit and I find a new diet, right? And so 
in, a, in our world and in our culture of quick uh, pleasures and quickly getting the end result, I think a lot of us, when we get to these places of doubt, we want to abandon God. But how many of you have ever been through a difficult season in your life and you had nothing else to rely on but God and you clung to him and now you know him in a more intimate and real way? Anybody? Some of you, that's the story of your, of your marriage. The story of your marriage is your, your, your marriage was struggling, but something happened, and you had nobody else to cling to, and so you, cling to, you, you clung to your spouse, and your marriage is different and better because of it. When we have these difficult situations in relationships, whether it be with people or with God, we have to follow through with them, not abandon them, because relationship is only grown in struggle. When in doubt, follow God out. We're going to be in uh, the book of Genesis today, the very first book of the Bible. Um, if you're anywhere, if, you, if you're turning in your Bible and you're anywhere but Genesis, hang a left, okay? The very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter, um, Genesis chapter 22. And just to kind of kind of set it up, Abraham is um, the kind of the hero of this story. He's the kind of the, the, the big figure in this story. Um, Abraham, God changed his name. At one time it was Abram. God changed it to Abraham. Um, Abraham was a man who, who, who faced a lot of these doubt situations in life, a lot of these faith-testing kind of situations in life. And in Genesis 12, we actually see where Abraham uh, was spoken to by God, and God said, I want you to leave the land that you know, and I want you to go to a land that I'll show you. And Abraham's like, cool, let me, can I put this in, in Google Maps? What's that address? And, and God's like, nope, I can't give it to you. And so God's like, I just want you to go. And so Abraham went. He gets to that land that God called him to go that he followed step by step to get there, and there's a famine. So he survives this famine. And then later in Genesis 18, Abraham is taken out behind his tent. God tells him, I want you to lay down. I want you to look at the stars. I know you don't have any kids now. I know you're 75, but your descendants are gonna outnumber the stars in the sky. So Abraham, while he didn't, handle it perfectly. He, he trusted God. Abraham has a child at the age of 100. He and Sarah have a child at the age of 100. Isn't that crazy? So at the age of 100, they birth, well, Sarah, Abraham didn't do it. Sarah births Isaac. We'll pick up the story sometime after that. Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, saying to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. I could preach a whole sermon off those words. Here I am, he replied, but I won't. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love. Just a side note there, that is, I read that that is the first time the word love is mentioned in Genesis, and it's the love between a father and his child. How cool is that? Talk about foreshadowing. Take your son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. I wanna give you four things to do to follow God out of doubt. Number one, when in doubt, trust God's presence. When in doubt, trust God's presence. So let me set the stage for you here, where Abraham is in this story. Abraham has just had Isaac several years ago, and here he is. He's believed for Isaac. He's dedicated his life to following 
God, and God gives him Isaac, and he tells him, Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice your son Isaac. It has to feel to Abraham here. It would to me, like, God, I know you're speaking, but are you really present? How many of you have those situations where something comes up in your life? Maybe, maybe it's a hardship, maybe it's financial, maybe it's relational, and there's these moments where you wonder, God, are you really present? Like, God, if you're really present, why does my life feel like this? If you're really present, why do I feel so alone? And Abraham has to be thinking, God, are you, are, are you, are you present? I, are, are you present? I think so many of us, believers and non-believers alike, often associate the presence of God with a feeling we have. And so when we don't feel God, we don't think he's present. As a matter of fact, I think there's this, this kind of movement in culture, and I think it's kind of a, I don't think there's anything ultimately evil about it, but I think there's this whole movement about how we feel. I mean, I've even noticed myself at times, I'll say, I just, I kind of, I kind of feel like I want tacos, you know, which that's all the time. But I just kind of, I, 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 kind of, I kind of feel like there's something else out there. Or I just don't, I just don't feel like that's a good idea. How many of you, have, do you know what I'm talking about? And so I think we've associated feeling with the presence of God. And what I want you to know this morning is that the God, the creator of the universe, the, crea- the God that created you, created me, everything you see, the stars in the sky, the oceans that roar, that God can't be deduced to a feeling that you have. He is present. He is real. He is powerful regardless of how I feel it. Abraham has to feel like God has checked out. But I've got, I've got news. God never wanted you and I to feel good. He wanted us to trust him. And I, I know for some of you that probably sounds harsh, but think about it. When you walk out of those doors out there, your feelings are gonna change. Your feelings are gonna change. Your feelings change from the time you get up till the time you go to bed, constantly. And if you live by a feeling, and if you and I associate the presence of God with a feeling, we'll always be teetering on, the edge of un- teetering on the edge of unbelief. God wants you to trust him because he never changes. And if you and I, if we can get past the feelings and get to the very character of God and see that he is present with us no matter what, that never changes. So through life's ups and through life's downs, through depression, through great times of joy, through, 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 through times of loss, through times of, of rejoicing, we can celebrate because God never changes, even though our feelings do. When in doubt, trust God's presence. And I know that the sacrifice your son thing seems strange, or at least it should. I know it seems strange, but you see, Abraham was a pilgrim in the land of Canaan. And one of the things that uh, the priest of these small G gods, these other gods that they would worship in Canaan, one of the things that some of the priests taught was that these gods required human sacrifice. (laughs) And so when Abraham hears Here's this, to, to go and sacrifice his son Isaac, whom he loves. It's, it's not as foreign of an idea to us, but the problem is, is that Abraham, even though he had heard of human sacrifice and he knew it was a thing, he believed his God was different. How many of you have ever been in that situation where you're like, God, I know this is life, but I, I thought following you was gonna be different. Have you ever been there? Like, God, I know that stuff happens. God, I know that stuff breaks. God, I know that people get sick. God, I know that bills come, but I thought, I thought it was gonna be different because I had you. Are you present? That, that has to be the way Abraham feels. It has to feel like, 
he's starting to doubt. God, are you, are you, are you present or are you just like these other little G gods that can't be active in my life? Don't get this story twisted either. Uh, one commentator I read, when it comes to uh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac, he said, we live in a different time. He said, Abraham did something unique for a specific purpose. It was a once for all fulfillment. It was to be an example for us. God would never ask someone to do this today. In fact, I read a story about a guy in the 60s who actually did this and tried to blame it on God. So don't get this twisted. Do you ever, like Abraham has to be right here in this story, do you ever doubt the presence of God because of the place you find yourself in? Maybe you thought you'd be somewhere else. Maybe you thought God would prevent the cancer and now you're going through it. Maybe you thought a relationship, something would change in the relationship, but now you've been served the divorce papers. Maybe you had thought God would bless that step that you took. Maybe you did give not knowing what was gonna come from and it didn't come back. And now you're, you're doubting the very presence of God because it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It's where Abraham finds himself. Verse three, it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. So follow this. Not only is Abraham having to sacrifice his only son now, but he has to cut the wood for the sacrifice. Isn't that crazy? So God, not only are you asking me to do something ridiculous, but now I have to cut the wood to God, not only am I doubting your presence, but now you're wanting me to do something. Oftentimes in these moments of doubt, we have to believe for God's present, but we have presence, but we have to be present too. And I'm afraid that so many of us, especially if you've been in church a while, have resorted to this idea, this theology, that if I just pray and trust God, it'll all work out. Abraham got a call from God, but he still had to cut the wood. Well, what are you being called to do in that season of doubt? And I think some of this is because God knows that as we begin to, to work, as we begin to get our hands busy, something, something changes. We get our mind off the problem and we get our mind on what we can do. Now, don't get me wrong. You still have to trust God. But how can, in the, in, in the moment while you doubt, what is God asking you to do? Are you, are you praying for more money, but yet you refuse to apply for jobs that you feel like are beneath you? Are you asking God for, for healing, but you refuse to follow the diet the doctors gave you? Do you see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a two-way street. So Abraham cuts the wood and starts out for the place that God told him to go, verse four. It says, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship then, we will come back to you. So Abraham's obedience shows that he's trusting God's presence even though he doesn't understand the process. Some of you 
are trying to so hard to figure out where God is active in your situation. The problem is if you can figure it out, you are trusting a God that's no smarter than you. And I want a God to, to put my trust in that's bigger. I want a God to put my trust in that's stronger and has a bigger plan and has a better plan. I, I think it's really interesting that Abraham says, we will worship and then come back to you. Jana, are you, are you still in here? Can you come up here real quick? This was totally not planned. Where is she? Well, hustle. Do you have her microphone with you? Always. Call up here during the week. Jana's got her microphone. Thanks for calling Springwood. I'm just kidding. All right, so here's what I want to do, because I think it's, you can just stand right here. I think it's really interesting that, that Abraham says, we're going to worship, and then we'll go back. Because in this moment, Abraham has to be full of doubt and struggle and war within himself, thinking, God, why me? But yet, he's going to go and worship and then come back. For so many of us, we wait on a feeling before we worship. Let's go ahead and start singing, God, is, God you're so good. Can you do that? Okay. So he, he, here's, here's how it goes. Oftentimes, you have to worship your way to feeling like God is present. That's why you have to hold on to his presence. And so this is the place that I want to get. I want to really believe this. But sometimes I start over here thinking, God, you're so absent. God, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. God, I don't want to go to church today. God, if I hear them sing that song one more time. But God, you're, you have done some things in the past. God, you're so, I don't know, you're so big. Yeah, you're big. God, you're, I, I, I've heard about how you've worked for other people, God, and you did, you did, you did feed me, God. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're faithful. And so, God, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do, but maybe, maybe I can start singing. Do you see what's happening? And so as you're, as you're listening, as you're worshiping, as you begin to talk to him, as you begin to cry out to him, you are moving closer to the point of saying and really believing because there's something powerful about singing even when you don't real or even when you don't believe it. And so sometimes you have to fake it till you feel it in worship. Sometimes when you come in here, you don't feel like singing, but it's the very act of worship. It's the very act of singing. You're not manipulating God. You're manipulating your heart. And so you're moving over to here to saying, God, I don't get it. God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand. I have so many doubts. And you're moving to God. You're so good. God, you're so good to me. God, you are good. God, I don't know what you're doing right now, but you are good. God, I believe that you've worked. God, you are good. Yes, God, you're good. And do you see what happens? Do you see what happens? God, you're so good. Yeah, y'all sing it with her. God, you're so good. You're so good to Sing I, I love you so.
Thank you, Jenna. Y'all give her a hand. But do you see what Abraham's doing here? Do you see what I'm asking you to do? Abraham says, let's go worship. It don't make no sense. It seems like it's even fake a little. But if I'm singing truth, I'm gonna fake it till I feel it. And then comes what has to be as a father, the toughest statement Abraham's ever heard. He says in verse seven, it says, Isaac spoke up and said to his, it said to his father, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself. I can imagine once again, he's talking himself into this through clenched teeth. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When in doubt, you can trust God's past. When in doubt, you can trust God's past. I, I told you, Abraham was a man who had been through some faith struggles. He had been through moving on a whim, following God. He had been through a famine. He had been through trusting God as a 75-year-old grown man to have a child and for his descendants to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. He had been through some stuff with God. And I have to believe that at this moment, he's able to look at his son Isaac and he's able to say, maybe somewhat trying to talk himself into it, but also basing it off of his past relationship with God. And he's saying, he will provide the sacrifice because I've seen him provide before. I saw him provide in the midst of the famine. I've seen him provide in the midst of biology saying we have no shot at this. I've seen him provide. I don't care who you are in this room today. You can look back at some stuff and maybe you don't credit it to God, but it does seem like a coincidence that he's been good to you. Some stuff has happened. Some stuff has played out. Some situations have played out. And if you look back, even though you're in doubt now, even though you're in waiting now, you can say he's been good. If you look at stories in scripture, if you look at, listen to the people around you and, and how God's been faithful to them, you can look in the past and you can say, God, you have been good. And right now I may be full of doubt and I may not even wanna be here right now, but you have been good. You can trust God's track record. And sometimes you have to go through some things and get to the other side so that you can believe this principle. When in doubt, trust God's past. Let's keep reading. It says, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11, but, it's a big butt. Y'all are like, should I laugh? You can. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. When in doubt, trust God's promise. When in doubt, trust God's promise. Promise. So it was never really about the sacrifice in the first place. It was never really 
about God didn't want Isaac. God doesn't want something from you. It's, it's about him building this, this idea of faith and this, this, this longevity in the life of Abraham. It's the same for you. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't want you to be miserable, but he knows that if he can get you to look at him and walk in full relationship with him, it's gonna change the rest of your life. It's gonna change your perspective. It's gonna change your eternity. It's not about the sacrifice. You have to trust God's promise. And I really think that as Abraham drew his hand back about to slay his son, there was something in him that said, I have a promise from God. So I don't know how he's going to do it, but he has promised me that my descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky. And so I don't know how it's going to work out, but I believe him. I believe he's going to do something. Some of you this morning, I know you're in a tough situation, but hold on to the promises that God has made you. Some of you have some very specific promises that God has given you, some very specific things about your future. And right now, it doesn't look like they're going to come to fruition. My encouragement would be hold on. When in doubt, follow God out. Hold on. And if you don't have those specific promises from God, there's some promises that God gives for everyone in Scripture. Some, some promises that if you're a child of His, that you can claim as your own. When in doubt, you have to trust His promises. Things like He would never leave you or forsake you, and so in the midst of the moment of doubt and feeling like you're all alone and wondering, God, did you leave me? Like, did, did that promise count for everyone but me? No, it didn't. You have to hold on to the promise, the promise that he says he loves you. When in the moment when you feel unloved and it feels like everything is going to pot around you, you have to hold on to the fact that God promised he would love you. When, when, when you're wondering, God, are you really going to provide anything for me? You have to hold on to the promise that he said he would provide everything you need. You have to hold on to the promise. That's what Abraham's doing. He says, God, if you've promised me that I'm going to have descendants as numerous as stars in the sky, then it can't end with Isaac. If you've shown me the end picture, it can't stop with the first line. If your promise... If your situation doesn't match the promise God's given you, it means he's not done yet. You may not understand the process, but the promise still counts. Verse 13. It says, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. When in doubt, trust God's provision. I wonder, what is your ram? What is... What is your ram? What is that thing where even though right now it feels like I'm stuck, it feels like I'm drowning, it feels like I'm in doubt of God, are you even there? I wonder what is your ram? I wonder what God is providing for you in the midst of that situation that you just have to take your focus off of your problem and find it. Because I don't know about you, but when something pops up or when it feels like things are after thing, after thing, after thing is going wrong, the easy thing for me to do is to have tunnel vision on those problems. 
But what would have happened had Abraham taken his son, laid him on the altar, and refused to look away from the thing that was making him doubt to see, and, and he refused to look away from the thing that was making him doubt so that he could look at the ram. I wonder, what is your ram? I wonder it, if, if you took a look and you really tried to get a sense of the face of God, I wonder what side he's trying to show you. But oftentimes we have these presuppositions that we bring into who God is, and so we miss it. We think, God, if you're not gonna do it this way, God, if you're not gonna send the big surprise check, I heard about somebody else getting that one time, God, if you're not gonna do that, then I don't, are, are you even active? See what happens? And so when we bring our presuppositions of what God's gonna do into our situation and he doesn't do that, that's where we begin to doubt and we lose faith. But I wonder, where's your ram? How is God providing for you right where you are, but you are so stuck in doubt some of you are so stuck in shame, but God has a ram. You just gotta refocus your attention. Maybe that boy or girl didn't ask you out, but you've got some new relationships forming. Maybe the surprise check didn't come, but God is building some principles, some budgeting principles, some planning principles into your life that when later when he does bless you with that, you're gonna be able to handle it more. If he gave it to you now, you'd blow it again. How is God providing for you? Where is your ram right now? And did you notice in, in this passage, this is God, he can literally do anything. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't make Isaac vanish for a minute right before he kills him, so Isaac goes, whoops, missed. He doesn't do any of that. How does God provide in these situations of doubt in very natural ways? Some of you are missing the supernatural because it's happening in the natural. You've got a friend, you feel, you feel lonely, and you're waiting on God to change your heart, but he's giving you a friend. You're waiting on some big miracle that you have your eyes so set on, but yet he's already given you something that you can do God often provides the supernatural in very natural ways. He provided this ram. He didn't provide two rams, you know why? Because Abraham only needed one. And I think there's a principle there because some of us don't recognize the blessing of God unless it's extravagant. Some of you, you've got blessings, you just don't recognize them because they're not extravagant. Trust God's promises. Of course, this wasn't the last time a son would lay down his life. John 10, 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So do you see the beauty of that? Some, how many ever years later, I didn't look it up, 15, 1600 years later, from the time where Abraham is called to sacrifice his son, a man named Jesus shows up on the scene and what does he say? He says, I am the good shepherd and I'm about to lay my life down. Just like Isaac laid himself down on that altar that day, later Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I'm gonna lay my life down and it won't take anything else ever. But do you see the beauty? Because what, what does a shepherd do? Leads what? It leads 
sheep. And so ultimately, what Jesus is saying is he's saying, when in doubt, follow me out. He's saying, when in doubt, you follow the shepherd. If Jesus is the good shepherd, what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I am so good that I was determined to make a way. 15, 1600 years later, you can follow me out of the doubt because all you have to do is look at the price that I was willing to pay. Do you doubt that I love you? Look at me. Do you doubt that I care? Look at me. Do you doubt that I'm working things for a purpose? Look at the course of scripture and see how I'm manipulating and I'm, I'm, I'm working things for the perfect perfect place that I want them to go. Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. Follow me out. Some of you, I feel like there's some people in the room this morning and you are about to abandon God because you don't feel it. Because he hasn't done for you what you wanted him to do. My encouragement this morning would be hold on. Trust his presence. Trust his promise. Trust his provision. He is there. Just hold on. Because throughout this book, God is constantly working things out. But in the middle of these stories, do you know what? They didn't get it. In the middle of your story, a lot of times, you don't get it. You just got to keep moving. You got to keep following. When in doubt, follow God out. So practically, what does this look like? Three things, just real quick. Number one, I think you've, you've got to read your Bible. And for some of you, that's really difficult because you don't even know what a, what a Bible is. And that's okay. We have some in the back if you want to grab one. But there's also an app called the Bible app if you'll look in your app store. And there's different plans you can select in there. Um, some of them are devotional plans. This basically means you read a scripture and then it kind of explains it. There's just reading plans where you're just straight reading scripture. You just pick one. I don't care because they all, they all have the Bible in them and this is a really good book, okay? So just pick one. But you've got you've to read your Bible because you've got to be constantly reminded of how good God has been and how he's purposeful. Number two, you've got you've to find your promise. And by that I mean oftentimes when we're in the middle of these seasons of doubt and, we're, and we, we are getting scripture into us, there'll be something that kind of jumps off the page at us. And you've got to find that. And you've got to recite that to yourself when you have these moments of doubt, when you're trusting God's, when you're, when you're, um, when you're doubting God's presence, when you're doubting that he, that he loves you, that he, that he cares. You've got to have something to go to. It's like you've got to have something to fire off in your mind. It, if you want to start somewhere, start with the John 10 passage I just read that Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I laid down my life for my sheep so that you can remember that he loves you that much, even when you doubt. But find your promise. Find something to to, to think about, to replay through your mind. And then the last one is remember to pray. Set a reminder on your phone. So when it goes off, maybe it's just a quick little prayer. Maybe you don't have time to get alone. Maybe you're checking people out at the grocery store. Not like checking people out, like, but like checking people out at the grocery store. And maybe it goes off and you can't close your eyes and pray, but you can, you can just pray in your heart. But I don't care how spiritual you are, all of us forget. So set an alarm. So read your Bible, find your promise, and remember to pray. And don't give up. You hear me? Don't give up. When in doubt, follow God out. With every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. 
you're in the room this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you feel like he's knocking on the door of your heart and you're thinking, I can buy this whole, uh, I can buy this whole Jesus dying thing. I don't, I don't have hope anywhere else. And so while I have doubts, he says it's okay, so I'm gonna pray anyway. If you, if you feel like you need to do that, just repeat this prayer. There's nothing magical about it. It's more of a confession in your heart. Just say, God, I know I've messed up, but I'm never gonna finish this, this treadmill that I've been on. I can't be good enough. I can't do enough. So I ask you to come into my life. I believe, Jesus, you are who you say you are. I believe you lived a perfect life because you loved me. You died and you rose. And I don't know what it means, but I'm gonna follow you. In Jesus' name, with heads still bowed. If you're in a season of doubt this morning, season of a trial, and you're wondering where God is, you're wondering if he's gonna show up, would you just slip up your hand and keep it there? I just wanna pray for you. Nobody's looking around. If they are, they're, they'll get hemorrhoids or something. I just wanna, I wanna pray for you, those of you that are going through a season of doubt. God, I pray for every hand that was just raised and the ones that are still being raised. God, I pray that right now, in this very moment, Lord, that you would just sweep them with such peace they've never felt before. And God, we're not asking you to fix everything immediately. God, I'm just asking you for renewal of faith in them. I'm just asking that for the first time in what may be weeks or months, Lord, that they would just feel this peace and this urgency, Lord, that comes straight from you. Lord, show them who you are. Show them a new side of your face because you want them to know you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.